You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Hey, welcome to the You Can Mentor podcast. I'm here again with Jeff Giddens, and we're talking about fundraising part due. That dirty word. Yes, the F word, so to speak. <laughs> hey, so the last time that we met, we talked about just the heart of fundraising. We talked about trying to fundraise out of joy and not out of fear. We talked about how people give to people and how it's all about the story and how your job as a fundraiser, it's not to raise money, it's to share what the Lord is doing through your ministry. Stories, stories, stories. How's it going, Jeff? It's good. It's great. Glad to be back at Forerunner. Hey, it's good to have you, man. All of 90 seconds from my house. <laughs> it's a neighborhood thing over here. All right. right, so today we're going to talk about two more aspects of fundraising. We're going to talk about online fundraising, which is the expertise of Jeff Giddens, and then we're going to talk about events. So Jeff, kick us off. All right. I think the, the, the main points, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about online fundraising, first off, and, you know... What, what I've learned in the past 12, 15 years of, of doing online fundraising is this. There are a few things that are really valuable, and there are a lot of things that are not really valuable, okay. right? I guess one way to start would be like, what's the point of online fundraising? How do I start? What am I trying to do, right? And ultimately, um, I think a lot of people think about online fundraising being like these really tiny gifts, and it may not be worth it. Maybe I can get some bigger gifts or some you know, foundation grants and things like that. But ultimately, the, the, the point of online fundraising and the thing that online fundraising does for you is it allows you to expand your market. It allows more people to know about you. People go online to find things. They go online to get, not always to give. And so it's a, it's a huge marketing opportunity. And when I say marketing opportunity, let me rephrase that because marketing can be kind of a, a buzzword. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to create a market of people or an audience is a better way to think about it. An audience of people who care about what you're doing, okay, right? And they care about what you're doing because they, A, know about it, and B, you've helped them in some way. Yeah, right? like it's almost like someone can't care about what you're doing unless they know about what you're doing. Imagine that, right? <sighs> and I would say unless you, bring, you use some form of communication to, to bring them deeper into what you're doing, okay. right? Now, if you think about just the, the ability and, and the, you know, how, how quickly you could possibly like scale a number of connections. So forget about fundraising for a sec. Just talk about connections. Like if you wanted to meet and cultivate and communicate with a lot of people and maintain a lot of relationships, you know, that would be really difficult to do in person mm-hmm. because you'd have to be face to face with them, which means you might have to travel to them or you wouldn't be spending time with other people, right? And so this concept of like mass communications is what it was called when we were in school, right? of speaking one to many, there's a lot of efficiencies. There's also a lot of, of, of wasted space. And I want to talk through a little bit of like what, what is valuable. And as a, you know, someone running a mentorship nonprofit and is trying to raise money for this, like to help, help separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit, right? Like what is, what's valuable? What should I be trying to do? And what ultimately is not that valuable? And so I want to order these things kind of from the, let's talk like really from the, the inside out. I was trying to decide which way to go there, outside in, inside out. Inside Start from the inside out of like most valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Like the most valuable thing, if you're trying to build a fundraising program, is that someone can give you a gift online. Yeah. Right? And so let's start there. The if someone the first the first thing that's necessary for someone to be able to give you a gift online is a donation page. 
Okay. Right. This is commonly overthought. Like people kind of like, I don't know what system to use. You know, there's all this like technical kind of mumbo jumbo. And it's like, there's a lot of off the shelf products that can, you can start taking gifts tomorrow. Push pay, great system. Race donors, probably one of my favorites. Easy to sign up. You pay a small monthly fee and you know, you're, you're accepting gifts, right? So I think the one thing I want to talk about, about your donation, donation page, and this is something that we've discovered over, over years of research in our company is that it's not enough for your donation page just to say, donate now. People are showing up to your website. This is this this startles some people, but on most do, main donation pages is what we call it. So if like you go to Forerunner Mentoring Project, you click the donate button. Like that is your main donation page, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not. It's not a campaign. It's not a clay shoot. It's not a specific fundraiser. It's just the main thing. Right. What we found is that two things. Number one, more than fifty percent of nonprofits have less than a full sentence of of word of copy on there, copywriting. So like it says donate now, or make your donation, and that's it. Right, and it assumes that most people who get there are ready to give, and the truth is they are not. Donate, your main donation page is a great place to practice the elevator pitch um, that we talked about, which you know you start in the problem, mm-hmm. and you talk about how you might be able to provide the solution, and then you present that opportunity to the donor to to help bridge that gap between problem and solution. Just what we talked about in the last podcast, right? Yeah. So, so I always assumed if someone comes to your webpage, then they they have decided. Before they came to my webpage, that they're going to give a gift. But what you're saying is, no, no, no. Them coming to your to your website, that's step one. But there's more steps after that in order to get them to give. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the online, if you look at like Google Analytics, which is a free analytics platform that you can install on your site. If you look at Google Analytics for most nonprofits, the conversion rate, which means that the the amount of people who show up and give divided by the amount of people who show up is less than 30% okay. on main donation pages. That means 70% of people click donate, right? Which everyone says is like, it's a, it, they're, they're bought in, they're ready, you know? And then they don't give. And the question is why? And the, the number one thing that we've been able to figure out in research is that they're not properly motivated yet. They're not convinced. And so they need some something on that page to get them to do the quote-unquote hard work of pulling out their wallet and making the gift, right? I think this goes back to like a fundamental thing about people. It's like, we don't really want to give our money away. Like no one wakes up being like, where can I give all my money away today, right? <laughs> like we're, you think about, I think that there's also the assumption that, you know, when people are on your website, on your donation page, it's the only thing they're thinking about on their computer. It's like, no, their mind's going in a million directions. They have their texts set up, you know, they may have like 20 other tabs in their browser. They have email that's like firing away. And so, you know, you have to captivate people. And the, the number one thing we found is that like most donation pages are missing a value proposition, which is, you know, if I'm... If I'm uh, your ideal donor, why should I give to you instead of someone else, mm-hmm. right? So let's start like there because I think that is a the number one thing to have in place. Number one, because you should have a donation page if you want to accept gifts online. It's kind of a, a prerequisite. And then number two, it's a great place to tell your story and to lay out that value proposition of like whether it's, you know, 75% of young men in this area don't have a father figure. They need mentorship. We know that the lack of a father figure contributes to these sorts of things, but, you know, we, whether you want to take the spiritual angle, have a father figure, or whether you want to take some, you know, like positive angle on all the things that it can do for your community. And we're trying to match these men, you know, with, with, or women with positive mentors and are trying to uh, fix this issue, you know, and it, it happens through, uh, or it's facilitated through, through gifts, yep. right? So you have some value proposition on that page. That's like one place to start. The real question that I think, and the, and the real opportunity that, that online presents for you is building an audience and growing and cultivating that audience for very for cheap, okay. right? Because email platforms, and I'll talk about email. I know that social is the hot thing, and there's a lot of great things about social. But email platforms, the marginal cost of sending an email 
is you know next to nothing. Right. And so you can send lots of email if you want to. But I think that what we've discovered in terms of audience building is, as you know, not everyone is ready to give right away. So they may want some more information. And the as, as you're trying to build an audience, right, like as we discussed with all the face-to-face fundraising that we talked about in the last podcast, is one visit at a time, right? One visit at a time. You're going to have coffee three days a week. You have two lunches a week. And you just start building you know, these relationships. Yeah. And so the question is, well, as you build those, let's say you actually did that. Let's say you actually had you know, three coffees a week, which is 150 coffees a year, and then two lunches a week. I mean, maybe you're not working every week of the year. Two lunches a week, which is another 100. You know? And so you've got 250 contacts. How on earth? There's a lot of like research that shows that people can maximum, they max out about 150 relationships, right? So how on earth are you going to communicate with all these people? And what we found is that there's a lot of benefits to having a strong, engaged email list. In fact, we found that it's the number one indicator of your future fundraising success. Because when you need to tell someone or ask someone for money, right? Like, what do you what do you want to do? Well, it'd be great if you could, you know, send a mass text that's got some legs to it. It'd be great if you could just call everyone. It'd be great if you could meet everyone at some event, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But like the easiest, lowest hanging fruit thing to do is send an email. Yeah. And there's a couple of benefits to it. Number one, email is transactional. It's where people do business. They're used to getting out their credit card. When they're opening their email, I get you know bills and all sorts of things come through my email. And number two, it's like guaranteed deliverability. You know, in the old days of social media, you could build a following of a hundred people and hit send on a post or hit post on on Facebook on your page. And you know, you would if they were logging on, they would they would probably see that. Mm-hmm. You know, but the algorithm that selects people are going to see means fewer and fewer people see each post. That doesn't mean you don't need to be doing that. We'll talk about that in a second. But email list is like, I'm going to get into your inbox. I'm going to be there. Now, you never know if people are like the, I have 45,000 unread emails or like I read every one, right? right? But because it's transactional, because it's communicative, and because it can appear more Mm one-to-one, like we always say, hey, like focus on building an engaged email list. And it's a great follow-up if you don't, uh, it's a great, you know, part of those face-to-face interactions. As you build that, be like, can I add you to our newsletter. Like, yes. What email should I send? We'll talk about that in a sec. But building an email list online is one of the, the most effective things that you can do to increase the amount of people that you can communicate with at one time. Because as a small nonprofit or as a solopreneur kind of starting um, some sort of mentoring nonprofit, like you're going to need to increase your efficiency. You're right. going to need, need to be able to talk to a lot of people at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that goes to like, well, what do I send them? Right? And there's really kind of, I think, three primary types, maybe four primary types of, of things that you should send them. Right. Number one, I think there are appeals, obviously. So like we're going to raise money. We'll talk about, you know, you might send these throughout the year. You might send them at year end. You might send them as follow-ups to a in-person fundraising event that people couldn't show up to. You sent me a, an email, you know, asking me to join or sponsor a clay shoot that you were having, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this communication type that sets up all of the other methods of fundraising that you're doing. There's appeals, there's cultivation. The way that I would think about cultivation is how do you tell people what's happening in your nonprofit? This can take the form of a newsletter, right? Some people are like, hey, like, I know if you if you use Mailchimp or something like that, like you know they'll have some templates where you can plug in your newsletter. But I would I would even get away from that. Sometimes filling in a, a, a Mailchimp newsletter template can be really daunting. It's like what am I going to say? You know, and I think that the easiest, lowest hanging fruit thing to do if you're trying to optimize your time is just like tell people what's happening. Like it does not have to look pretty. In fact, what we found is the less pretty it looks, the less it seems like marketing, and the more it feels like a communication coming from one person to you. Right. Right. Which you know has its as we talked about, like fundraising is all about building these personal relationships. And so we, if we can reflect those personal relationships in some way, you know, then we can actually build a digital relationship. It's a lot harder to build mm-hmm. a relationship online with someone. It's not the same. You know, that's, that's another podcast. But that's why people are so unfulfilled by all the social connections they have. It's just not the same. But 
we need to be cultivating people and telling them what's happening in our nonprofit. That's one of the hardest things to do because if we're mission motivated, then like we want to be doing this stuff all the time and not mm-hmm. stopping to tell people what's happening. But if we don't ever tell them, right. they won't know. And so when the time comes that we're like, hey, can you help support this? They're like, you know, they will ask themselves. They may not ask you. They'll probably ask themselves, and not out loud, but in their heads, like, what do I know that they've been doing? If they don't know what's been going on, you know, that is, that's, that's a problem, right? Well, so like, this is what's so great, Jeff. I used to include an appeal, which is an ask, on every time that I sent mm-hmm. something out, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I found is what that was doing was like, I would just ask for the sake of asking. Mm-hmm. And it was like, when people opened up what I sent them, they didn't know what to expect. Yep. And so now what we found is like, we, we truly only ask only a couple times a year. But what we found is the cultivation piece, which is just telling the story. Like, hey, what's going on in your nonprofit? We've had so much more success on keeping people engaged with what we're doing because of that. It's just a, every month, hey, here's one thing that happened. Here's sure. two things that took place between a mentor and a kid this month. It doesn't have to be like overthought no, or like no. some grand production. No. It just needs to like, you know, and I think that, I think that you start when you, when you think, Oh, I'm going to try to send something monthly mm-hmm. to all of my supporters and my non-supporters, just my email list. Right. Um, when you start to think like, Oh, I have, I have an outlet for this. You start to look for those opportunities. You're like, Oh, this, this cool thing is happening. Right. I need to tell the people about this. Right. Well, so here's what we do, right? We have a channel on our Slack mm-hmm. that is just called stories. And anytime someone on our staff sees the Lord move, anytime that they have something that was the least bit encouraging, they tell that story through our channel. Hmm. So we've got, I mean, dude, we've got hundreds upon hundreds of stories of how, the Lord is doing work through our nonprofit. Now, what this does is a number of things. One, it keeps us encouraged, right? Mm-hmm. So like we, every day, someone's saying, hey, even if you aren't seeing what is going on, here's something that happened. Mm-hmm. Two, it's easy access to share the stories with anyone who wants to know more about our nonprofit. And yeah. then the third thing, Jeff, it's just fun. Like it is so fun to read what the Lord is up to. And so however you guys can find a place for your staff to share those stories, that thing's gold. Yep. Um, I would say this too. When you send an email, so we talked about appeals, you know, a couple times a year, focused campaigns, goals, things like that, asking for money. Cultivation. When you send an email, make sure that people can reply back. There's two little things. Number one, you know, uh, this is, this is tested. We test, we do a lot of testing in our library and, or in our organization, we, we record these experiments in the library. What we've learned is that email is fundamentally a human transaction. People can sniff out marketing, right? And Mm -hmm. so don't send your emails from an organization, send them from a person and make sure that the reply to email is monitored because you will get lots of people who email you back and say, this is such an awesome story. Yes. And you're like, thanks, dude. You know, it's all, you know, we, we couldn't do it without you, right? right? It's all those little pieces are, are opportunities. And, and don't worry, you're not going to get flooded with responses. You may get like two or three per email. Right. But when they write back, that's when they have truly like, it, that's when your communication has transcended marketing and they realize that you're actually sending you know, from a person. What about a title? So like I used to send emails that were like, here's our March newsletter. And what we found is that might not be the most effective way. Yeah, I think that the goal of the subject line is to get people to open the email, right? And so when you say, here's our March newsletter, it's like, well, no one woke up this morning wanting to hear your March newsletter. There's a there's a law of diminishing returns where it's like, you you won't believe what you see or like, <laughs> you know, you never thought this would happen. It's like, you can't use those suspense-filled lines, but it's like, 
you know, it should very simply just point to what's in the content, but try to do it in some enticing way, right? So don't overthink it. You could spend a lot of time. I think people who are not like writers, I'm not a writer myself. I've learned to write subject lines, but it's like, don't overthink it. Do the thing that comes, that like whatever pops in your head about like, hey, I just wrote this email story. This is what I think the subject line should be to get people to open it. Like send it. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, like you're going to send a lot of these. And so it's, it's good just to like train yourself to, to, what do they say? Occam's razor, like the, it's like the simplest solution is often the best, right? Or the most obvious. So we've talked about appeals. We've talked about cultivation. I'll talk about a third thing, which is content. And this is probably the most underrated, you know, asset that nonprofits have, right? So Zach, you've been mentoring young men for how long? Shoot, man, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So 15, 20 years, you've developed like a wide base of knowledge Mm -hmm. about all sorts of things. We're sitting in the literacy lab, right? And this is helping kids learn to read, right? Hopefully it's called the literacy lab. (laughs) So I think that the underrated thing that that nonprofits realize they have is they have a lot of knowledge and there are a lot of people who could benefit from that knowledge, right? Uh, What we found is one of the most effective ways to market a nonprofit or to develop an audience for a nonprofit or for a cause, especially mentorship, is by helping people become better mentors, even if they're not doing it through your nonprofit, right? I mean, you think about mentorship, mentorship is a, obviously there are, in in your area, you're doing it for young men who don't have a father figure at home, Mm -hmm. but I've got two boys at home and like part of what I'm doing for them is mentoring them. Right. And so you probably have a resource that could help me as a dad become a better father. Right. You may I mean, think about what happened with COVID. Like all the parents, all these parents had to figure out, A, how do I start educating my kids? I'm not an educator. Like, how do I do that? And B, I've also got a lot more time to fill with my kids. What can I do? Like, why don't we ask the guy who's been running an after school program for like 10 years in this <laughs> neighborhood? Like you have content, you know? And so if you think about the things that attract people, um, stories, def- stories definitely attract people. They have to be like ready for it. But content, like if you can help someone meet a need. I would say this, like if you're doing some sort of uh, Bible study with your team, like invite your donors and, and people to come along with you on that, right? Like there's all sorts of content that comes out of a nonprofit that you produce and you don't think about it as anybody else being interested except the people who are your uh, constituents, who like your, your, they're the focus of your mission, the recipients of your mission, right? But mm-hmm. the, the thing that we found is that donors, you know, get as much of this, they get as much out of that as as the, the recipients of your mission do. Let me give you a couple of examples. So we work with a group in Pittsburgh that helps parents of autistic kids develop healthy relationships with peers. It's very challenging because of the, the, the challenges of autism, mm-hmm. right? So they have this curriculum called Healthy Relationships they walk people through. Well, guess what? Every parent wants their kid to be able to have healthy relationships. And so they have a version of that that is basically like how to form healthy relationships minus all the autistic stuff, right? That is for parents because ultimately... The people who are going to benefit from their nonprofit are parents, and they realize that there's a certain age piece happening there where like people who are able to give to them are not young people, they're older people, and as you're older, you have kids, so you become a parent, right? right. So they've taken this content, and they're giving it away as a, as a way to help parents first, like help their kids have healthy relationships, and also to present them, say, hey, you might like this resource we're giving you, right? The reason we developed this resource is because we work with autistic kids and their parents trying to help them. And so if, if you think your child is having it tough, like imagine if you had all these other challenges, right? Mm. And so we've given this for, you know, to you for free because of generous donors who are allowing us to do this. And we're wondering if you'd become one of them, right? It's a very like easy entree. Let me give you another one. We work with a group in Virginia that does lots of prison work. And part of what they do is they have a, a study called The Prisoner's Journey, which is like an eight-week study where they talk to prisoners about Jesus, who was once himself a prisoner, and tell them the story, you know, that God loves them through this discipleship program, and or evangelism program, really is what it is. And they're like, well, how do we attract people to this program? Like, why don't we give away the Bible study, 
right? Like people are out there looking for something. Everyone, I don't think there's many people in the world who are doing the amount of Bible study they want to be doing, right? They want a resource. And so we created this free Bible study called Love and Justice. It's like, how do these two things, love and justice, connect? Like how do they how do they work together, right? And it's a part of this curriculum. They didn't have to make it from scratch. It was already in what they were teaching the, the, the prisoners, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you sign up for it, and it's like, hey, guess what? There's someone else who wants to go through this Bible study too. The difference in you and them is they're in prison, and they don't know Jesus, and they have a hope that doesn't appear to have, like, have any future beyond bars, right? But you can mentor them and walk them through and sponsor them through this eight-week study if you're willing, right? And so you think about, like, it's like bait, like, what are you going to attract people with? Well, content is a very underrated piece. So I would encourage you, like, as you're developing resources for your nonprofit, like, let people see those. Like, give them out. But if you're saying, like, hey, uh, one of the, you know, hard parts of men- mentorship is, like, what do we talk about when we get together? Like, how do I start those conversations? It's like, well, make a conversation starter guide. That can help introverts in general, right? You can create lots of content and attract people with that content. In fact, what we found is people are willing to trade their emails to get that content right? Because it's valuable to them. And so I think the, the, just one of the underrated things that we found in, in nonprofits, and this is something that we've become very good at, is going into a nonprofit and finding the content that's valuable that we can take to market, mm-hmm. if you will, and take to people who might be supporters one day. And I think there's a big difference here if you're like operating kind of a community-based nonprofit versus a more like national, you know, wide-reaching thing. I think that, you know, it, you have to think about your aim. Are you trying to build like a, a, a regional Mm-hmm. base of support, kind of like Forerunner does here in Lake Highlands, or are you trying to build something that could really reach anyone? Those are two very big different aspirations. Yeah. But content's the third piece. So appeals, I'm going to ask for money a couple times a year. I'm never going to do it as a one-off. I'm always going to try to send you know, multiple appeals towards that, multiple emails around one campaign. So make a couple emails over a week, a couple times a year. I've got cultivation. I want to send one every month. It doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be like beautiful or shiny, um, but I seem to tell people what's happening. Then think about content. What can I? What do I have? whether it's intellectual property, knowledge, you know, some process you've learned, what do I have that can help build people up? And I'm going to send that out to people. Why? Because people will share that too. They'll say like, hey, I'm going to take this conversation starter guide for mentorship. Not only can it help me become a better mentor, it can also help me start conversations you know, with coworkers or whatever it is. So. Right. And man, Jeff, like from what I found, I mean, that's why we started this podcast is because what we found is the things that we're experiencing as a mentoring nonprofit other people need to learn from our mistakes, right? Sure. Like, by no means do we consider ourselves the experts, but what we want to do is we want to get around as many people as possible who are mentoring and learn to become the best mentoring org for our families. Yeah, for sure. But here's what I found. Early on, I wanted to charge for everything. Hmm. And there isn't anything wrong with that. But what I have experienced is if you just give it away for free, your reach is going to expand way more quickly and way further than you think like in, in in different ways than you think it could right and and just like yeah sure i can sell a book on how to become a positive mentor mm-hmm. for 10 bucks and 500 people might purchase that book that's five thousand dollars right yep or i could give it away for free and that 500 turns into five thousand yep right yep it may be a smaller percentage of people that ever give you money right, right? But it's more about getting the word out. And here's what's so crazy. It's not about getting the word out about your nonprofit. It's about getting the word out about what the Lord is doing in ministry. Correct. And so it's like, okay, so here's God. And he has a heart for something, right? And he has given you his heart. And what your job is, it's, it's your job to go and tell other people about what his heart is for the things that he cares about. 
And so it's like, as a fundraiser, I have an, I have an unbelievable opportunity to share about God's heart for a bunch of different things, whether it's kids or people who are right. poor. And, and just like, you're spreading the name of Jesus. You're giving him honor. You're, you're doing all of these things to advance his mission, his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why wouldn't he put his hand on that and support you financially? Sure. It's like, like God, God wants to see his name spread all throughout the world. And if you're doing that, and if you're more concerned about that than fulfilling your budget, then like I have just found that God takes care of you because God, God owns everything. Like this is his money and God can make a, a huge donation happen like that mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a great story. We work with the organization at the seminary, and they had always sent fundraising letters because they'd had several high-profile people graduate from their seminary, right? Mm -hmm. And they would always be like, well, how do we we create a market? Like, who is the next person we should be sending a a fundraising letter to? And they, you know, they try to do things like get their graduates to talk about how great the seminary was and hopefully get some of their church members to give, right? But it was just like, they were just kind of boiling the lake, if you will and getting very low results because it was like, we need to train future pastors like these big names. Mm-hmm. And those big names are getting older, and they're just like, how do, we, how do we reach new people? And I remember having a meeting with them and be like, what do, you, what do you have that can... You're a seminary, right? You've been teaching people for almost 100 years. Like, what do you have that could build someone up? What, what could teach them? Their, their big thing is like teaching all 66 books of Scripture. So what do you have? They're like, well, we did film this course in the Gospel of John a couple of years ago, it's really ugly. Like they just set like a camcorder on a desk and like, you know, there's, it's not multiple cuts. And I was like, well, let's see it. And so we, we looked at it and it was like, I think 10 lessons. Each one was like 45 minutes. And it's a, it's a true seminary course, but it happens to be one that's like pretty understandable by the common man. It's not like advanced hermeneutics mm-hmm. or something, you know? And so they started marketing that they, they kind of put it together in a fashion where you could sign up and you would get these emails and it would give you a lesson per email and send you back to the site. And they've had like, uh, uh, total, they're about to pass 750,000 enrollments in these online courses that are free. And uh, a couple of years ago, they were having a fundraising out in California, and they had a cancellation at a table. And they're like, well, who should we invite? We have this table. Let's fill it up. So they're like, well, why don't we just go find people who have taken a lot of our courses <laughs> and live in the area? They, f- they invite a couple of folks who are kind of like potluck table, right? And this, this woman shows up, and she like pulls someone aside, and she's like, I'd like to give you a gift. And they're like, you know, okay. And she gives them a $500,000 check. It's like they found this woman online. Mm-hmm. They taught her remote courses. They invited her randomly and almost accidentally to an event. And, you know, she unleashed this blessing that, like, they never saw coming. Right. And why? It was because they had given, they had, they, a very functional sense, they'd given her something of value. Right. Right. Granted, it was of spiritual, eternal value. And they made a connection that they otherwise never would have made. They would have never known to find that woman. But they put this out there. She was attracted by it. Right, it was it was something she wanted, mm-hmm. and so she took a step towards them. If you think about that, yeah. And you know, then they had her contact information, so they could obviously reach out to her and say, "We're having this event. We'd love to have you come." They did a you know presentation at the event, and all of a sudden, like, bam, major donor right away, half like, a mil. zero zero to major donor, <laughs> right? So it's like you like you never know how far this stuff is going to go, but what you got to do is you got to be able to, like to release it and to let it go. Well, and like for me, out of my fear, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get, I have to get, like I. I need your recurring donation. I need your money. Like I uh, get, 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 get. And that's me focused. Right. Uh, that's, that's selfish. If I'm you know, like, that's, that's not a good thing. Right. But one of the things that I've learned is instead of asking, how can I get value from you? 
how can I get what I want from you? It's how can I add value to your life? Yes. It's like, what do I have? Whether it's in, it's a story, whether it's, you know, piece of content, like what do I have that's going to add a little bit of something to make your day more enjoyable? I always think about it like a bank. It's like you fill up someone's account with relational value. And then there are times when you ask to draw from that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where social fits in. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to do online fundraising. Like I should just start all these social media platforms and like try to keep them all going. And you know, the way that, that I, I always think about it is like, Hey, like, you know, fundraising, like, like email, if you think about it, what we've been talking about is this transactional medium, right? And everyone like gets their email, they check their email. You can be more than likely sure that they're going to get the email in the first place. But the like social media is like the snacks, right? So you have these meals, like email, like the meals and social media is like the snacks. And it's like, mm. you know, we think about the nutritional value you're going to get from like a, a meal. You're always going to raise more money. Like email is the number one fundraising channel for almost every number one digital fundraising channel for almost every nonprofit outside of their main donation page, Right. But social media is important. It helps you convey those stories. But you have to remember, people go on social media, like, why? Well, I'm standing in line at the DMV. I look down at my phone. I've got 10 minutes to kill for my number, it gets called, right? I'm not sitting there with my wallet out being like, where do I give? <laughs> but like you said, a story can help you know, add value to my life. Maybe a resource, some sort of content resource or teaching can help add value to my life, right? I think people who are really good at teaching sometimes, sometimes underestimate how remarkably easy it is to teach someone, like to develop some sort of training course. Like it doesn't have to be pretty. Right. It can be like something someone signs up for. It's five days long. It's going to help you be a better mother or father, right? But you know, social fits in. It kind of fills in the gaps. And so it's important to have like a right understanding. And I, I can say this with a lot of data behind this, right? So your conversion rate from social media is always going to be, you know, at best half of what your conversion rate is from email. And that that's not because you're doing it wrong. It's just because of the medium, right? And like right. what people are looking to do. Like when people open their inbox, they're at work, they're, you know, they're, it's a mindset they have. Whether it's kind of like, you know, like turning on the TV. Like you turn on the TV when you're ready to like zone out. They say there's, there's scientific research that says your brain is more active when it's sleeping than, than when you're watching TV. And that's what, that's what social media does for people, right? But you want to be in those spaces. Like I think that I'd love to hear from you what social channels you found most effective because I think sometimes it can become overwhelming. Like I have to have, all of these accounts, right? And and I'd love to hear from you, like your your mindset about how how Forerunner approached social, because that is an important part of building an audience, mm -hmm. even if it's not the main thing that we're going to try to build. That it's going to be like a true valuable asset for us. Right. What was y'all's approach to that from the very beginning? Because I know you guys have a lot of, I think Instagram mm -hmm. and Facebook are mm -hmm. kind of like the big two yeah. that I see, and you guys do a lot of content for that. But like, how do y'all manage like the building of that, knowing that this is going to add value to your fundraising? but it may not be the place where you do a lot of asks. Yeah. How do y'all do that? So my, my approach to fundraising, and I think I told you this last episode, but it's just whenever the Lord stirs someone's heart to give, mm -hmm. I want our nonprofit to be top of mind. And so that is what I use social media for. And so it's like a ton of those stories. It's about pictures. Like it's just about letting people know what it is that we're doing on a you know day in and yeah, basis. So you kind of see it as like an awareness channel. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, you guys do fundraising. I've seen you guys, you yeah. know, around North Texas Giving Day. Uh -huh. You guys will do lots so. of videos and stuff like that. But but your primary see it as like, hey, we're going to build this awareness. Exactly. Right. Well, and I mean, this is also the thing is like, I I want to focus in on what the Lord's doing in the lives of our kids. Mm -hmm. I want to focus on their future, not their past. Mm -hmm. So, and like, I've got two ways to go. I can share about. Hey guys, like here is this, here is this poor kid who doesn't have a father around and he's not, you know, doing awesome in school and he doesn't have, you know, like I, 
I can focus in on his past and I can try to like stir up that compassion to where someone feels bad and they give because they feel bad. Mm-hmm. But what, what we try to do is we try to focus on where they're going hmm. and we try to focus in on the positive stuff. Like, Hey, like if, if a kid's in our program, he's had a tough life. Like I don't need to sell you on that. But what I want to do is I want to show how we're making their life better. And I want to show smiles. I want to show like actual kids hanging out with mentors. Like I, I want to show what the Lord is up to in a positive light. Hmm. And just like I view social media as here's a way to show off what God's up to. And here's a way to celebrate what God's up to. And so it's like, hey, here's a story of transformation. Here's a story of positivity. Here's a story of joy. And because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And like... I think that's great because it's like, hey, look, like you're seeing the solution to the issue. Like this kid has a tough life that's producing some things that aren't positive. We're trying to change that. Here's an example of that. And if you want to make more kids experience this, hop on board. Yep. Because that's where we're going. Yeah. So if you think that this is cool, if you want more kids in you know your community to experience this, Here's how to do it. One thing I've seen that you guys do really well too is you you create a lot of content for social media and then you reuse that yeah. in your newsletters, yeah. right? So it's not like you're having to create unique stuff all the time. You're able to be really efficient because it's like, hey, I'm creating these stories. Right. People might see those stories. They might not depending on when they log in or if Instagram wants to show it to them in their feed, you know? But then I can take that same story and put it into my newsletter and expound on it. Sometimes you tell a little bit more of the story. It's like a little bit more of text, mm-hmm. you know, than it is like... Uh, video or, or photos or anything like that and it's like it's i know for you it's doing double duty because you're creating some content trying to tell that story you're using what you already have rather than starting with a blank slate every time right, right? but what it's doing is it's it's cultivating ultimately it's trying to tell people it's trying to stir people's hearts and affections for what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and really just tell them for what god is doing through you really just continue to relay that message yeah. right well and and that that all goes back to having a way to capture those stories mm-hmm. and so here's here's something that we found is what you think is not a big deal, it's actually a huge deal to some people. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that kid had a good day. Well, well yeah, he had a good day. But for the last three years, he's had Nothing only bad, bad days. days. Yeah. And so it's like we can take for granted what the Lord's doing. And so it's like training your mindset to like, hey, like, no, th- there's actually a story there. And so it's like how how can you train your staff? How can you train yourself to be intentional when – the Lord does show up. How are you capturing that? And then we take those stories, and it's social media, toss it on a blog. We use it as a newsletter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they turn into a podcast. Sometimes that turns into a section of a book. It's like those stories, they are absolute gold. And don't waste a story. Don't waste a chance to tell other people what God is doing, because that is ultimately advancing his mission and giving him a ton of glory. And that's what he's all about. Yeah, what we've talked about, like we started kind of with the donation page. Like this is the center of the circle. You have to have this to accept a gift online. Very mm-hmm. functional, right? Yeah. You want to tell some story there, right? And then the next ring, if you will, think about a target, that's the bullseye. The next ring out is like building a, an engaged email list. Because if you want to fundraise, if you want to make an ask, you have to have a way to get that in front of people. Mm-hmm. And so you should always be thinking, how can I build my email list? How can I get people when I have coffee to sign up? Maybe I should... When I post a story on Facebook, I should say, hey, if you want to read more stories like this and you know get them in your inbox, like you can sign up here. Like post, actually try to use those. And then the outer ring is like this layer of awareness of you know how how you motivate people and how you build your audience, right? And and 
I think that there's ministry in that too, Zach. Like there's ministry in someone who you don't know what they've gone through today, who is a donor to you, right? I think we underrate sometimes the ministry that, that uh, we talked, you know, the, the, the ministry of giving, which is a common grace that God gives us because you don't have to be a believer to feel good when you give. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, we don't know what people are going through, you know, when you post a story on Instagram or something like that, and they sit down and see it that night. It's like that warms their heart. They may have had a really rough day, and they needed something like that. You know, there's a lot of, like, really depressing stuff on social media, too, and which only gives your content, like, the, the opportunity to shine brighter. But I think that, you know, we just have to set expectations right. You know, it's like, it's easy, and maybe you've gone through this, it's easy to, like, think from a fundraising standpoint, I'm going to go try to launch this campaign, I'm going to do it all on Facebook, and you end up raising, like, 50 bucks, right? And it's like, well... You know, I, I say all of this just to set expectations about like what is truly valuable. How do we build the most valuable things? But how do all of these things work together so that you can, as you said, like, hey, I'm going to take a picture. You know, this kid had a good day, right? And we're going to tell that story really quick on Facebook or Instagram, right? And your expectations can be properly set for that because you don't know what's going to happen to it. So it's like letting go of the fact that I think you know I can I can leverage this to like go get money from people. It's like no, you you build those over time, a mentor in fundraising who came by my desk one day and he knew we were running this campaign and it wasn't going that well. And, you know, I was like, I was, I, was, I was obviously down about it. And he was like, well, you can't make people give. And he walks off. <laughs> and it's like, it's like so wise. It's like, you can't make people give. You can only hope to inspire them to obey the calling that God has already put on their money. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you said, be top of mind, your nonprofit be top of mind when they choose to give. That said, I want to talk about one more thing. Yeah. We talked about channels, kind of like which online channels should we use, social media versus email versus your website. You know, you talked about like blog content. That's great because ultimately to get people to your donation page, they have to show up at your website. So you got to have a place to send them. But I want to talk about recurring giving because this is something that has always been, there's a book written in the 80s called Hid- Hidden Gold. It's by a guy named Harvey McKinnon, Canadian guy. And he's a fascinating guy, very far from God. Uh, he came to our conference a couple of years ago, <laughs> had some great conversations. But basically he made this argument in the 80s from a direct mail perspective, from like, He's like, if every nonprofit went all in on recurring giving, they would all raise more money. And he's like, it's just math. Like, you just put this stuff into a spreadsheet and you say, you know, if I'm going to work hard to get, you know, an average gift, like what we see in, in, in data from the donor side is like, people have, they're gonna they're usually going to give what you put on your donation form, right? The amounts. And they're like amounts in people's minds, right? So it's like, I'm going to give you 50 bucks. I'm going to give you 100 bucks. Like, those are sort of like, handles, if you will. Like if I don't, I don't know how much to give, you know, maybe it's like, I'll give you 20 bucks. I'll give you 50 bucks. I'll give you a hundred bucks, but they kind of break down into these like common areas, yeah. right? It's just people, you know, one of the benefits of a nonprofit doesn't have a price, but people need a price point. They need to know like, how am I going to budget for this? And you start to think about it. It's like, well, if I could go get a $50 from a donor today, that'd be great. I'd have 50, I'd have 50 bucks in my pocket. Right. And then I'd have to figure out, well, when am I going to ask them again? And then they would have to say yes. So I have to keep in contact with them, right? And I might get another 50 bucks maybe two years later is what the data shows. But you start to think like, hey, if I could give someone to give, if I could get someone, convince someone to give five bucks a month, I'd actually get $60 from them in the first year. And then next January, you know, provided their gift continued to recur, I would instantly start getting $5 a month more, $10 a month. I might be able to get a hundred bucks from somebody today. That'd be great. But guess what? If I get $10 a month, that's $120 this year. This is a way that, we uh, often help our clients think about this from like a business perspective, right? Because recurring giving is super efficient. I think it does a lot for the donor that people don't talk about, which is like easy to budget for. Like I have a budgeting app that my family uses and sometimes it's going to be hard if you get an ask, you're like, I feel like we should contribute to this. Like one of the things, you know, sadly that stops people is like, I don't know how to fit this into my budget this month. I don't know how to go find 
$250 that I want to give to you, right? But the good news is like the behavioral economics and also just like the, the trends are like, hey, if you can get someone to say, you don't have to give me $250 today. I just want you to give me 20 bucks a month, right? Like that means they're going to give you $240 in that year and they're going to keep giving, which is the most important part. So I would say if you're building a small nonprofit from the ground up, like recurring giving could be your best friend because what you don't know is how difficult it's going to be to retain those donors. Right. And, you know, just the endless sort of marathon of asking and asking and asking, recurring giving makes it easy for the donor. And I would say, like, culture's in your favor. Like, we subscribe to everything these days. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was buying water filters for my fridge the other day, and Amazon's like, do you want to subscribe? <laughs> like, I never thought about doing that. You know, yes. they're obviously some sort of deal, but it's like, sure, yeah, send me one every six months. Like, it's built into our consciousness now. It, there's, a, there's a feeling of empowerment and autonomy that it gives the donor. They can, they can cancel their giving at any time. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, most people don't. Like if you're if you're giving ten bucks a month, it's like a very easy thing to give. And donors who might never think of giving you a hundred dollars by giving you ten bucks a month have committed to give you one hundred and twenty dollars for that fiscal year, right? right? Yeah. So um, I think that when you're looking at online giving platforms, like make sure it can accept recurring gifts. Make mm-hmm. sure your payment processor processor can accept recurring gifts. And I think that as you're thinking about which appeals should we run this year, year end, obviously there's like a big halo effect of giving at the end of the calendar year. But I would say like run a recurring giving campaign. Don't make it about money. Make it about donors. So like I'm looking for 10 new recurring donors. And maybe make, make that one of your fundraising goals every month. You will be amazed at how fast the revenue grows. We had a client who was doing, came to us with a very a large major donor program and some other stuff, a very small online. They're doing like sixty dollars to $90,000 a year last year. And right now they're doing $15,000 in recurring donors because we took this hypothesis that recurring donor donation works. We created a little, there's this like challenge coin that you get for being a recurring donor. It's like, it costs $3 and you know, it's just a little trinket. It's a super heavy coin, but it says the nonprofit's name on it. It says, thank you for you know your gift. And it's something they can carry in their pocket or mm. keep on their desk and just kind of reminds them of this. And you know, it's, their, their results are like, not 10% better, they're like 100% better than last year, yeah. right? Because this money that people started to give is still coming in. It's mailbox money is what they say. And so I would say like from an online fundraising perspective, like be thinking like, hey, how can I build this kind of snowball that's rolling downhill, right? To be able to fund this ministry without having to go out and ask. It takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, best news of all is that people who give recurring gifts still give one-time gifts. Yes. Like you ask them at the end of the year and you say, hey, I know you're a recurring donor. We're, we're raising funds because we're trying to expand our program or, you know, allow more kids to enter it or build this literacy lab, whatever it is. Like, they will still give you money. In fact, recurring giving is a great indicator that people have the available money to give to you, right? So all that to say, like, you know, we talked a little bit about channels today, about your donation page and things like that. But I do want to focus on recurring giving because Harvey McKinnon back in the 80s was right. He's still right. The data proves it out, especially if you are not a fundraiser. I would say if you don't consider yourself a strong fundraiser, like, this will be your best friend, right? Because you will have those gifts coming in every single month without having to go set all those appointments, ask every time, you know, renew them, just ask them to give five bucks a month and you'll be shocked at how quickly that grows. I know you've seen some success with these sorts of programs too. Yeah, for sure. And like, here's, here's one of the things that I found. And like, this is just people who support you in general. The recurring donor is huge. Like that, that is how we grew. Is because you know most people gave fifty bucks a month, hundred bucks a month. Had a couple two fifty, had a couple five hundred, which were huge. But what I found is, whenever someone gives you a gift, even whenever someone gives you a contact, whenever you meet with someone, I have said this to my staff. I believe that this nonprofit was built on saying thank you, hmm. and like. Every time that someone gives, for the first 
six years, every time that I met with someone, I would send them a thank you note. And this does two things. One, it keeps your organization top of mind. Mm -hmm. Two, it shows, well, I guess it does a whole lot more than two things. Sorry. Two, it shows that you appreciate them. And then three, this is my favorite part. It allows your heart to be thankful. And that changes how I saw fundraising. Yeah. Like whenever I'm operating in a spirit of Thanksgiving and like, man, that person gave up an hour of their time. Like, man, that person gave us a connection that they didn't have to give or they support us financially and they don't have to do that. Like that, that changes my heart. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, it's easy to become jaded in fundraising mm -hmm. and it's easy to see people as prospects and you're trying to close them and, you know, you can just develop this like, honestly, like self-centered heart, yep. right? And it's easy to say things like, we can only do what we do because of you, you know? But it's hard to live with a heart like that yep. and like constantly saying thank you, conditioning yourself. You did it to me when I left uh, here last week with that first podcast we did. You texted thanks like 10 minutes later and I was like, I just did it. Like, that's why, that's why I came back, to be quite honest. <laughs> but like you're putting those things in, you're still doing those things in place and it creates a culture as your, of, as your nonprofit has grown, mm -hmm. you know, of like, this is who we're going to be and this is what we're going to do. We're going to be people of gratitude yeah. because, you know, gratitude produces generosity, right? Like, and I think the other thing is you'd be shocked at how many people don't say thanks for gifts. We did a study a couple of years ago where we gave gifts of $1,000 to $5,000 to 40 nonprofits and most of them said nothing to us after 45 days. Nothing. They like never even asked for another gift. I think something like 25% of them said thank you and reached out in some personal way. These are big gifts, right? And like you underestimate how big a thank you can be, not only because it takes your heart and molds it towards being someone who's humble and grateful, but also because like so many orgs just don't say thank you. Right. And it's an opportunity to stand out. And like it's different, right? When you, especially when it's personal, I think that's the thing is like everyone's going to get a receipt. Like you have to do that for tax reasons. But not everyone's going to get a thank you. Right. And that is a lot of hard work, but you're planting seeds. And, you know, you talked about the parable of the sower and how fundraising is like that. You're going to go give people opportunities. Like every time you say thank you, you're casting another seed mm -hmm. for whatever that next gift may be or the fact that you're doing it, you know, irregardless of whether they ever give again, you're building that capital right. and you're building that relationship. And that's something that's very human. We've talked about online, which is kind of this digital thing, but that's something that's very human. And it adds just a, a dimension that, you know, social media never can, right? right? So Well, and like you are giving them an opportunity to partake in advancing the kingdom. Yes. Like people they who, wouldn't have it without right, you. Like people who give are vital to your ministry. Mm -hmm. And so like seeing that person like, hey, like we, we literally couldn't do this without you. And here's what your gift is going towards. And so I'm saying thank you for that. Like, you know, your connection, your, you know, gift every month, like you are advancing the kingdom in this way. And you like that makes someone feel good because they're a part of the Lord's work. But two, like it's the truth. Yeah. And it, so. it feels good to align yourself with the Lord's will. Yeah. You know, it feels sure. bad to break it in sin. <laughs> right. And that is a very basic thing. But even if you don't believe in God, it still feels good. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that encouraging that by thanking people, it's like a huge part of things. So. All right, Jeff. Hey, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your online wisdom. Um, 
super grateful for you. We just talked about things, but thank you. And hey, that's all we got. Anything else that you would like to add? No, I just say, I think that as, as a note of encouragement to new fundraisers from a jaded old fundraiser, you know, Nothing. Rome wasn't built in a day. You have to keep doing these things. It's easy to beat yourself up over metrics. I mean, when people talk about online, there's all these sorts of metrics. Like, you know, Facebook has spent millions of dollars trying to find the right shade of blue that when you see a like, it makes you feel good, you know? And like, you gotta protect yourself from that stuff. You gotta be willing to do stuff. And like you said, build a snowball. It starts with a snowflake, right? And so you're trying to build these things one at a time. It is good to track. It's like, hey, how many new emails did I get last month? You know, but. Ultimately, like as the scripture says, you know, the, the horses are prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord, right? So your job is to prepare the horses. And I mean, the Old Testament is full of story after story after story of whether it was one person taking on a whole army or no people. One of my favorites, you know, the, the Israelites, like they go to sleep and they wake up and all their enemies who would surround them are all dead. It's like, what? Like all these things, you know, all these, all these crazy stories that happen, like they're still happening, right? They, it doesn't, we're not in pitched battles in the wilderness anymore, but it's easy to get yourself down. The hardest thing is like, why are people giving? Why are people giving? And it's like the, the you know, your faithfulness to this is a, is an act of worship. And don't ever forget that you are providing people, as we talked about in the first, po- first podcast, you're providing people an opportunity to do something with their money that they can't really do anywhere else, which is advance the kingdom. Right? They have all sorts of opportunities to spend their money and you're giving them a chance to support the Lord's work. And that you can do that knowing that it's going to benefit them more than buying anything they could buy online, right? And so all you've got to do is present it and you know continue to let them, as you said, you know, be top of mind. Realize that something amazing is happening in their community and they can be a part of it. Yep. Faithful with a little, master over much. That's right. All right, Jeff, thanks, man. Hey, thank you all so much for tuning in to the You Can Mentor podcast. If you guys like what you heard, go on over to our website, share it with a friend, like us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and if you didn't hear one thing today, let it be this, you can mentor.